welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is, and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible, and the references will be given after the stories. This week is the beginning of a new type of episode, the creature feature. I think cryptids and unexplained creatures are just as important as unexplained events. So I want to put those into the podcast as a regular thing. I'm hoping to release them once a week, much like the main episodes, but we'll see how that goes because I work full time as well as creating the podcast. They may become parts of the main episodes purely based on that, at least for now. This episode of the Creature Feature is about the Sasquatch, the Yeti and the Big Grey Man. The name Sasquatch comes from a sailor word, meaning wild man. Most sightings happen in the northwest United States and some parts of Western Canada. Most descriptions of it say it's a bipedal primate-like animal, standing somewhere between 6 and 15 foot tall, which is 1.8 to 4.5 metres, and covered in brown, reddish-brown or black hair. Those who manage to get close enough describe it as foul-smelling, and some reports mention a high-pitched scream coming from it. The first documented evidence of a Sasquatch is credited to the British explorer David Thompson. In 1811, he discovered some large footprints. Since then, hundreds of other reported sightings have been recorded. The most notable of these is the video of the Sasquatch, known as the Patterson-Gimlin film, by Roger Patterson at Bluff Creek in California, 1967. In the Reader's Digest book, Mysteries of the Unexplained, yes, the one that I used for all of the stories in the first week, there are several stories of Sasquatch sightings. Theodore Roosevelt recounted the story of a hunter named Bauman in his 1893 book, The Wilderness Hunter. During the story, Bauman is described as a competent hunter who had lived most of his life on the frontier. But the event described had an irreversible effect on him. Bauman had set up camp and left. On the third day, Bauman and his partner decided to collect their traps and return home. Splitting up, Bauman collected his traps and prepared the catches before returning to camp. He returned to a seemingly empty space and upon inspection, he found the body of his friend, who appeared to have been killed and played with by the creature. Bauman abandoned the camp and left the forest as soon as he could. In 1924, Albert Ostman was looking for a gold mine at the head of the Toba Inlet in British Columbia. On the boat trip there, one of the First Nation peoples told him of huge hairy beings. Ostman didn't believe the stories, but remembered the name given to the beings. After a week of travelling, he settled down in a campsite near a freshwater spring and between two cypress trees. Everything was great for him, except in the mornings, Ostman would awaken to find that his supplies had been messed with. One night, he decided to try and figure out what was causing it. He tried to stay awake, but eventually fell asleep. He was woken up by being picked up and was carried for hours on the back of an unknown entity that he couldn't see because he was stuck inside his sleeping bag. 
He found that he had been carried into the company of four Sasquatch, who kept him for six days and probably wanted to keep him for longer before Ostman escaped by firing his rifle to scare them. In British Columbia, Canada, in 1955, William Rowe was climbing Mica Mountain. He spotted something that looked like a grizzly bear from afar, but was sorely mistaken. He later declared that it was a huge man about six feet tall and about three feet wide. It was covered in dark brown hair and he later discovered it was female when he got closer. Once the Sasquatch caught Roe's scent, it began to walk away. Roe thought about shooting it, but chose not to because he didn't want to have to live with that decision. In 1967, in Marietta, Washington, Harold James was fishing. He smelled something similar to a wet animal and spotted something sitting on a log across the river from him. It soon got up and walked away, revealing itself as a tall, hairy creature. The same day, a married couple spotted a creature standing in the river not far from them and watched it submerge itself in the water. Not far from there, they found a footprint that was 13 inches long. During the night, a fisherman noticed that his net was slipping off his boat. When he shone his flashlight around, he discovered that a large, hairy beast was pulling on the net. He shouted to his friends, who also shone their flashlights on it, causing it to leave. These are just a few stories of the Sasquatch, but there are so many that I'd be talking for hours about them since there's been over 10,000 sightings of Sasquatch in the last 50 years. They seem to be seen an awful lot for one of the most elusive creatures on the planet. There is no hard evidence of Sasquatch due to a lack of scientific study of the evidence presented. In the rare cases where evidence has been studied, they either turn out to be something else or undetermined. There are an awful lot of confirmed hoaxes as well, which complicates the story. It makes it difficult to separate fact and fiction in this case. As of 2021, Oklahoma's tourist board has offered a $2.1 million bounty for the capture of a live Sasquatch. A very similar creature to the Sasquatch, the Yeti haunts the Himalayas. It has appeared in ancient legends, in the folklore of the people of the area. Those stories depict the Yeti as a figure of danger, with the moral of the stories being warnings to avoid dangerous animals and to stay close to the community. Stories of the Yeti reached places outside of the Himalayas as early as 326 BCE when Alexander the Great demanded to see one after conquering the Indus Valley. He was told that he couldn't see one because they can't survive at such low altitudes. There are much less sightings of Yeti since they live in the high altitudes and snowy peaks of the Himalayas, but there are still stories. In 1889, Major Lawrence Waddle found large footprints in the snow at 17,000 feet. His Sherpa told him that they were the tracks of the wild men who lived there with the mythical white lion whose roar can be heard during storms. In 1921, Henry Newman, a BBC journalist, interviewed C.K. Howardbury, 
who had just returned from the first expedition to Mount Everest. They had seen several shapes moving in the snowfield above them, and when they reached the field at 20,000 feet, they discovered several enormous footprints. Howard Burry said that they looked human, but they were about three times larger and attributed them to a large grey wolf, even though several shapes had been seen. The Sherpas were sure the tracks were created by a Meto Kangmi, which roughly translates as wild snowman. Newman mistranslated it, thinking it meant filthy snowman. He believed that abominable sounded better, and so the name Abominable Snowman was born. In 1925, Russian troops were pursuing white army soldiers across the Vanch Mountains when they heard stories from locals about beast men who lived higher up in the area. They also found footprints and other evidence of humanoid creatures in the area. One day, they had fired their guns into a cave that they believed the white army soldiers were hiding in. Instead of soldiers, a hairy creature ran out of the cave screaming. The soldiers opened fire, killing the creature. They thought it was an ape at first, because it was covered with fur, but upon inspection, they realised it looked more human-like than ape-like. Their medical officer then told them it wasn't human, so they had no idea what it was. It was described as five and a half feet tall and covered in grey-brown fur, except for the face, ears, palms, knees, feet and buttocks. The exposed skin was coarse and the hands, knees and feet were calloused. The face was described as dark, with a sloping brow, prominent cheekbones, a flattened nose and a massive lower jaw filled with human-like teeth. Its chest was broad and unusually muscular, but the rest of the torso appeared similar to a human. The soldiers were unable to carry the body down the mountain, and so they chose to cover it with a pile of stones and leave it. In 1951, British mountaineers Eric Shipton and Michael Ward were returning from a reconnaissance expedition on Everest. They were exploring the southwestern slopes of the Menlung Glacier when they came across some large but humanoid footprints. Shipton photographed the trail with close-ups of the 13-inch long prints. The size suggested that the creature was bipedal and around 8 feet tall. The trail showed where the creature would have jumped over crevasses, suggesting it knew the area. This one has already been discussed in episode 16. In 1959, the group of the doomed Dyatlov Pass expedition claimed to have seen the Russian Yeti, a cousin of the Himalayan Yeti. They even took a photo, which was shared alongside the references for that episode. Once again, most of the evidence for Yeti comes from eyewitness reports. And again, I've left a whole lot of stories out because there's just as many modern sightings of Yeti as there are Sasquatch. In 2011, the Russian government took special interest in the Yeti, organising a conference of Sasquatch and Yeti experts in Western Siberia. The group made headlines when they issued a statement saying that they had indisputable proof of Yeti based on some grey hair that they had found in a cave. These claims have been disputed and are seen as nothing more than a publicity stunt to create tourism for places in Siberia. 
In 2013, Brian Sykes, a geneticist at Oxford University, called for evidence of the Yeti. He received 57 samples, of which 36 were tested at University College London. Most of the samples came from well-known animals in the area, and two samples came from bears from that existed from between 40,000 and 120,000 years ago. There's a third variant of the Bigfoot family, the Big Grey Man. A Scottish creature known as the Amphir Moor. They are said to live around Ben McDewey, the highest peak of the Cairngorms, and Ben Nevis. Unlike their counterparts, the Grey Men are described as thin. However, they're said to be over 10 feet tall, with dark skin and hair, and long arms and broad shoulders. They tend to hide in the fog of the mountains, and encounters are often limited to the sound of their feet crunching on the gravel of the mountains as they walk behind hikers. In 1891, J. Norman Colley was hiking near the summit of Ben McDewey, when, on his way back from the cairn, he heard some sounds that weren't just his own footsteps. It seemed like there was another set of footsteps, sounding off after every few of Colley's steps. He believed it to be nonsense for the most part, but became scared as the sounds continued to follow him. He ran for four or five miles before the sound stopped, and he refused to go up to the summit again. In 1945, Peter Densham was on rescue work in the Cairngorms. One day, he reported hearing strange noises in the mist and felt a strange pressure on his neck. He fled before seeing anything. His friend, Richard Frere, wrote about feeling a presence that was abstract but intensely real whilst on the mountain, and also hearing a high singing note a few years later in 1948. Frere also told the story of one of his friends who had been camping on Ben McDewey. He reported waking up feeling an inescapable dread. He looked out of his tent to see a large, dark figure standing silhouetted in the moonlight. In 1958, naturalist Alexander Tunian published an article in the Scots magazine detailing his encounter with a grey man. He had taken holiday over 10 days and gone climbing in the Cairngorms. As he reached the summit of Ben McDewey, he found it was enveloped in mist. He felt a dark and oppressive atmosphere The wind blew against the boulders of the cairn, and he heard a loud footstep. Then more footsteps. He saw a shadow in the mist come towards him, step away, and then charge at him. He pulled out his revolver and fired at the shape, which continued to charge. Tunian turned and ran, not stopping to see what the shape was. Sasquatch and Yeti definitely have links to each other, and it's possible to add the Grey Men into that. But 
they haven't been properly seen since they tend to hide in the mist that often co- covers the peaks of the mountains in the area. Without looking at the Grey Men's involvement, there are already three distinct variations on the same type of creature. The North American Sasquatch, the Himalayan Yeti, and the Russian Yeti. John Green, a famous Sasquatch hunter, believes they're similar species and outlines the differences. He states that the Sasquatch has the largest body of the three, but the Russian Yeti is taller than the Himalayan Yeti, but not heavier. He also notes that the Russian Yeti has a more human footprint than the Himalayan Yeti. It appears as though Sasquatch are more inquisitive than Yeti, and Grey Men are more mischievous than their cousins. Grey Men seem to be the only ones who are unafraid of humans as well, choosing to follow them or move towards them even after being noticed. All three live in areas that are well away from adventurous humans most of the time, and are only seen on odd occasions when people venture out to these remote locations. It's often suggested that these creatures are the missing links of the evolutionary chain, or are related to the Gigantopithecus, a giant ape that has been extinct for over half a million years. Zoologist Edward Cronin suggests that the Gigantopithecus fled from the Homo erectus, seeking safety in the peaks of mountains or densely forested areas where they wouldn't be disturbed. The only theories I have for this type of creature only involve the Grey Men. Aside from outright calling the sightings from today hoaxes, there seems to be no solid evidence of any of the creatures. However, the Grey Men seem to have some things that could explain them away. The first theory is hallucinations. These can be caused by exhaustion or even isolation. In the misty peaks of the Cairngorms, or the snowy peaks of the Himalayas, it's possible that their eyes can play tricks on people, causing them to see things that aren't there. The second theory, addressing the feeling of dread that comes with the Grey Men, is that the wind on the peaks causes an infrasound effect. Infrasound is proven to start the fight, flight or freeze response in humans and is linked to feelings of dread, uneasiness and anxiety. Horror films often use it in their soundtracks, but it can also be found naturally. The other possibility is that the Grey Men are a phenomenon known as a Brocken Spectre. In certain weather conditions, with the sun at the right angle, a person's shadow can be cast onto cloud banks around them which creates a large humanoid shadow. The issue with this one is that it doesn't really explain the sounds that people have heard alongside it. It's a difficult one, and cryptids often don't have many theories with them or evidence to back them up. It's going to be a running theme in these uh, creature features. The stories from today came from life science articles called Bigfoot and the Yeti, a Britannica article called Sasquatch, a Wikipedia article on the Amphir Moor. I know it's Wikipedia, but it was the only place I could find anything about it without having to do a big deep dive onto the internet. And the Reader's Digest book, Mysteries of the Unexplained. References for the episode, links to the articles, will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. 
Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting overhauled still, and I'm uploading one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. Still currently the only tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and as before, you are still welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, and if somebody does, I'll have to find something extra special for them. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but the link itself doesn't open up a new email, so it's also going to be in the description of the episode. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with the things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. Next week's episode is going to come out on February the 9th, so hold on until... Thank <laughs> you.